Hey, welcome to Spellstorm Miniatures, a show about miniature war games, uh, including War Machine and Hordes by Privateer Press. And the goal here is to inspire you all to play more. Uh, my name is Jeremiah, and with me, I have two very special guests for our episodes. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, say your name, say hello to the audience. I'm Perry. Uh, I'm a local player here in uh, Portland, Oregon area. Nice. And who do we have over here? Uh, I'm Scott. Uh, Brother Scott on most of the social media that I don't follow anymore. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also true. <laughs> and a transplant from the Boise Meta to Portland about six years ago. Nice. Well, uh, I'm really excited to have you guys on. Uh, a couple of episodes, Dan and Chad and I had a conversation about sort of managing uh, your hobby desk. And you two are prolific hobbyists in our area. And you provide a lot of inspiration to local gamers. And so I wanted to have you guys on to further that conversation because there's a, um, a little bit extra experience and a little extra wisdom that you guys bring, um, you know, to to that topic. Uh, but before we get started, uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions just about War Machine and Hordes in general. How long have you been playing? What was your first army? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started, well, I've been gaming since 1982 so that makes me feel really old but <laughs> I, I got into I got into battle tech in the 80s and then into rogue trader and then into the games workshop you know 40k mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, never quite got into the fantasy battle with everything in a, in a line but uh, played a lot of 40k for a very long time and then uh, I had a buddy in at the end of uh, mark one who showed me war machine and I was I was blown away by the rules and just the warcasters getting a feat, and uh, I love I love the steampunk aesthetic, and nice. uh, and we actually ended up trying out some of the role playing rules because I, I play a lot of uh, role playing games, and, yeah. Uh, so I was hooked into the world and the lore, and uh, I originally had Kador and played that for quite a while, and then uh, I played a lot of Scorn and Mark II and and lost a lot of games, <laughs> learned a lot of hard lessons. I've then, heard about Scorn and Mark yeah, II. I've yeah, heard the stories. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a, it was a different beast back then. Uh, I had about six or seven good friends, and we all sort of played at each other's houses. We didn't go to game stores too much or anything like yeah. that. And so uh, a couple of those friends moved on. Uh, one passed away, sadly, and yeah. uh, we just sort of, our War Machine group kind of fell apart. And uh, I decided to break out of my shell a little bit, and I started going to uh, Rune and Board on Wednesdays about... Uh, about two and a half years ago now. Nice. And uh, uh, became great friends with Scott. We have a shared military background and, you know, not too far apart in age generation wise. And so um, we both love hobbying and um, I've gotten into uh, mercenaries full bore. I've been playing them. Yeah. I've been playing them in master's leagues and uh, whenever I can. And it's been great. And it's a great challenge because the mercenaries have so many different themes. And as a hobbyist, you can really, explore the color and the narrative through each of those theme and try yeah. to find a way to unify the way they all look right because they're just a bunch of hodgepodge characters with these interesting personalities so yeah. uh it's been an absolute delight exploring mercenaries nice. it's the most fun i've nice. had in the last gosh 11 years now of playing war machine that's great time flies you know, I, I want to just respond to something that you shared. You talked about how you have like a gaming group yeah. that regularly got together. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like there's, uh, that's a strong theme. Uh, there's pockets of War Machine players all over the world, you know, that just kind of play with their immediate friends and yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a group of guys yeah. I've grown up with. And yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of like your own. We still get together and play D and D, but the oh, you did both. You did both War Machine and yeah. Okay. I've known him since uh, you know I was like ten, so uh, we're still great friends. And uh, I think they just got burned out on the war gaming. Okay. Um, I know a few of them. They're still they still ask me about it, and they keep up on like the CID forums and they read it, but they they haven't been painting models or playing or anything. And we all we all used to go to Lock and Load yeah. as a big group and play and. Um, I think I was just more into it than than the rest of them, but we all we still play D and D every month and get nice. together. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get my RPG group to uh, explore miniatures a little bit more. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. They're they're strictly RPGers. It's is, hard to if, break if, out if of that, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll say the idea of going and playing a war game at a store regularly was odd to me um i had tried with 40k and i had honestly had a bad experience Mm. with that community and culture around that and i'm Mm. not saying that's the entire game but i was like i don't really want to go play with people i don't really know that might have a different idea of what fun means or you know what Mm. i mean yeah Uh, but the cog collective community that's into war machine here in in the portland area and, and even parts of washington california is fantastic yeah. Uh, the people are so nice. Uh, they're so welcoming. You know, if you're a hardcore tournament player or a hobbyist, or you there's just, space for both of those. There's space for everything, yeah. and there's just like it's it's diverse. There's people of different you know professional backgrounds and ages and everything, and we've all I've become friends with many of these people in the last two years. So I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. Hey, so Scott, how long have you been playing? Oh my! Uh, since Escalation dropped, which would be um, roughly 16 years and I got into it, um, because my kids and the woman I was dating were started playing. Um, and originally there were only four factions. So you're like, OG. Um, yeah, <laughs> back in my day. Um, but, uh, no, I started with protectorate. Um, each of my sons picked up uh, Crix or, or Kador, and nice. the woman I was dating picked up Signar, so we could all play. Yeah. Although that was usually a bad idea because somebody's feelings would get hurt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now, um, I first started playing. I didn't think I'd get into. Uh, I was. It's like I'll build the models because that's enjoyable to me. I'll prime them at least. Yeah. But I didn't see myself painting them, and then. Oh, that's interesting. Um, probably two to three years into the game, um, I, well, the gal I was dating was like, I'm going to sit here and paint. And it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. And we'd sit together and paint. And mm-hmm. then we started painting at the game store in Boise because um, uh, there was only one at the time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'd hang out and paint and other people would come by and, you know, yeah. Pull up a chair and talk and paint and pull ideas off each other. Yeah. So it was a, an interesting... Kind of like what a win- normal Wednesday night at Runeboard yeah. looks yeah. like now, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So you've been playing... So Escalation, was that like the first expansion or something? That was or... the first expansion past Prime. Okay, and it was, okay. I believe that's 16 years, if, I, if the math's right in my head. Yeah, that's incredible. Do you ever go up to Lock and Load? Uh, a couple times made it the last five years i think nice nice that's always enjoyable nice get to go out and uh hang out in the hobby lounge yeah and 
pick yeah. up pick <laughs> up inspiration and at the got to watch uh, Matt DiPietro do um, the sketch style. Oh yeah, and he talked about that and he showed us how to do it and I was so inspired and I get home and I tried it on one model and it's like ah it looks pretty good and now I've forgotten everything I tr- that he taught. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if only that was recorded or something. Right? Uh, yeah. He's got websites, and there's enough information out there. To... Oh, okay. Okay. I'll get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to have just a fun conversation today. Um, we're going to basically talk about um, the hobby side of things. Um, you guys do a lot to co- to contribute to the hobby community, and so I just want to pick your brain on that. And then um, we're going to talk about... Um, having an immersive playing experience. And so why don't we start on the hobby stuff? Um, why don't you guys talk about what um, what the hobby does for you, um, kind of the, the space that you occupy, what you do for the hobby um, and for the community through hobbying, I suppose. I, it was how I probably should have worded that. But yeah, why don't, uh, why don't I just turn over to you guys. Um, talk to me yeah. about what it looks like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I love it. I've been painting since... I was probably about eight, right? So that would have been about <laughs> 85 or so. And it's funny to see how it's all come along. Uh, Is he saying the 85 years or since the 85? <laughs> yeah. Journey on the radio in the background. Uh, old, like, Rao Partha miniatures that were, like, not proportioned, made out of lead. And, you know, you didn't have your online resources. You didn't, I didn't know what priming was. I bought oh, some stuff at a yeah. store, and I got testers, enamel yeah. paint, and none of it worked, and it looked <laughs> awful. And I remember looking at a hobby, like an old White Dwarf magazine, I'm like, what am, I do- what am I doing wrong? And nothing clicked until I went to a gaming convention in the, in the late 80s, and, I, and there was a, a guy there uh, who was painting models, and, I, and he, he just like took, I must have been about 13, and he's like, look, you got to do this, this, and this. And they didn't sell like pre-painted washes and stuff. There were all these like little tricks that they didn't really you you know pre-internet. How would you know, right? Right. And so he kind of walked through like all these stages and highlighting and color theory. And I had gotten really into art at that point, and so uh, it all started clicking. And and for me, ever since then, I just I try to paint pretty often, uh, either miniatures for role-playing games or just. Yeah, you know, wargaming. It's a it's a meditative thing for me. I love doing it. It's a very good way to relieve stress. But yeah, um, you got to make it accessible, and that's one of the things I was hoping to talk about. Was uh, you know, a lot of people have uh, like Scott has a dedicated hobby space in his apartment. Um, I have a, a I have a nice uh, game hobby room in my house, but I have a toddler, and I'm kind of kind of always like watching him, you know. And uh, it's hard to to go sit in there and do that. So. Um, I kind of came up with this idea of like having a portable way to take your stuff out onto the kitchen table and, and put it away, but also to take it to the game store. And I started, I started about two years ago painting at the game store and a lot of, there weren't a lot of other people that were doing that. And I would just kind of bring my stuff in and sit and do it. And it kind of started this thing where now every Wednesday at the back of Rune and Board, there's like six people back there building mm-hmm. models and painting things and talking and swapping ideas and giving each other critique. And it, it's like fantastic. It's this organic yeah. hobbyists uh, kind of supporting and cheering each other on. And now even like Curtis, who you had on a couple episodes ago, uh, you know, he regularly comes out now from uh, East Portland to, to hang yeah. out and paint with us. And, you know, he does like high end stuff and it's great to, 
to bounce all that off. Um, so port I like having a portable hobby kit, and I like wrapping my head around the fact that y you know you can drop and and paint yeah. on the fly wherever you need to. Yeah, what what does a portable hobby kit look like? Like <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, it's an, this is an audio podcast, so do your best to describe what well, is that, like. What do you include in there? I think and, you gotta you gotta yeah. have like something to carry it in. And I thought a long time about this, and I ended up uh, going to a sporting goods store. And if you go into the fishing section and you go to like uh, fishing tackle bags, yeah, um, they're anywhere from thirty to fifty dollars, and they have all these pockets and things that are the right size to put your your paints and your cups and your brushes in and it's hmm. amazing so i picked up one of those and then um you can get plastic containers at uh, you know michael's or joanne's fabrics and you can put paint in there you can take your current you know palette of whatever you're painting and grab a few of your brushes and put them in a in a fabric brush holder and a bottle of water and oh. you're kind of ready to go <laughs> and it's like it's kind of that simple and you just get it all in there mm -hmm. and you get it organized and then you can sit down at the table and pull out everything and you can buy a portable light and they you know they sell nice portable lights now that you can plug in or have on a battery um and then you know you're out you're out doing it and there's so many benefits i i can't tell you how many times in the last two years at rune and board people have come up they just want to watch and they're like wow it's intimidating if if someone has never painted and you think about from their perspective they're like oh i want to get into wargaming and they go look at the wall and there's these blister packs of, of bits of plastic and they're like okay how do i assemble that yeah how do i paint it exactly and how do i not have it fall apart and then yep. they look at a full army which in war machine is we were talking on the drive over here is about 130 points nowadays Oh yeah, with the add all the extra. That's yeah, like a lot of stuff. And they're like, models. they're like, oh yeah. my gosh, that would take me years. And they just, they're out, right? They're yeah. Just, so even having that little step of just setting up and, and being accessible in the store, yeah, people will walk. Up, well, how do you do that? Well, you just use super glue and you put them together, and then you can use primer, and then and then yeah. you know pick a couple to start with and just jump in, and then little tips like keep your color palette tight. You don't need. 30 different bottles of paint for a Warjack. You really don't. Maybe four? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like a lot of people make that mistake if they, they do too many things and then they don't, <laughs> you know, they don't have, they don't have a way of quickly. Dude, my, my Greylord Ford Seer, there's so many colors on that thing. Right. <laughs> but would you want to do that again, right? Could you, could you knock that out again quickly if it was just five versus like 20? I could do it quicker the next time, yeah. I never got around to paying my second one because I ended up selling my Cato army, but right. Um, but I would have. I mean, it would have been a little easier to paint. Yeah, that's some advice I always I give people: like a tight, a tight color palette when you're starting and when you're learning, and as you advance, you know, you can expand it. But um, picking out twenty colors is just putting pressure on yourself. You don't need, yeah. you know, start with like five, five to eight yeah. in a good solid range, and. Um, go for tabletop. I, I used to paint really high quality in the nineties, like for tournaments and stuff. Wow. And the thing is, you know, you spend 40, 60, 80 hours on, on a, on a big piece and you don't get anything else done. Uh, and so yeah. even though that's satisfying, uh, my goals nowadays are to do high, like tabletop, high tabletop. Yeah. So like I like to play fully painted armies and that's like my overriding goal. And so to get there, you need to do, um, how, how do you paint, like say I painted a whole bunch, I painted like 40 steel heads. 
How do you paint? Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> How do you paint forty oh. steelheads and make them look nice, but still get them done in a reasonable amount of time? And somewhere therein, you have to have uh, a good pace, and you have to paint things in assembly line. You have to have a tight color palette, and yeah. you just have to have good fundamentals. And I did a lot of that at the store in front of people that were watching, and you just kind of have to say like, okay, this is the step you're going to take, and you're going to paint yeah. it quick and clean, quick and clean, and and kind of stick to your your basic colors and. Um, which is funny. I, I think a portable uh, paint hobby desk like helps with that because if you got a couple hours, you can you can get some in before you know bed or whatever, yeah. right? Uh, or you can bring it to the store and paint at the store if you don't feel like yeah. playing. So yeah, portable hobby desk, love it. My uh, old portable hobby container was a uh, I think it was a thirty inch toolbox. Mm-hmm. Metal from a. Um, yeah, metal and plastic. Yeah, I think I bought it from Ace Hardware, and uh, about ninety pounds. Yeah, <laughs> that's Fully my loaded. problem with mine. I'm currently rocking a Craftsman. It's so heavy. Yeah. Well, this one. Sorry. Was, this one had the the imitation diamond plate around it and plastic ends, and it. Oh wow. It itself was not that heavy, but when you load in the full set of of P3 paints, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Vallejo as well. Yeah. Um, GW had some paints that I really like to use, the Foundation series, which I wish they'd bring back sometimes. Yeah, that's pretty um, nice things. But, you know, I'd load it up, I'd have my water jar, and at the time I was really anal about, you know, my acrylics go in one, my metallics go in the other, and I have dedicated oh, yeah. metallic brush and a dedicated acrylic brush, and, you know, I really got super snobby about things. Uh, but packing that thing... In and out of the store, because <laughs> that was one trip, and then I'd go out to the car and get my army and bring it yeah. in, and, and you know, but um, yeah, just having I, I kind of like having everything. Yeah, that's fair. I like you yeah. know, and I, we joke about having a, a home field advantage. For me, is a big thing because I've got everything I need there. A dedicated space, yeah. I've got a dedicated space, and and Curtis, who you mentioned earlier, does too. Yeah. And you know, to to build a mobile kit is like ah, uh, okay. I need to make sure you know I've got this project, and here's my palette. But what if I want to work on you know I'm I'm pretty scattered, pretty easily distracted yeah. as far as yeah. Know, it's like oh, these are the things I want to work on, but hey, there's this other model that just released. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about that, Scott. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> How OCD I've, am I? <laughs> right. I've, I've thankfully been getting. Or I mean, ADD is what I wanted to say. Yeah. yeah. Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably on the other end. Like yeah. if I start painting something, I I have to finish it. Okay. But what, I, yeah. I mean, like Perry. I wish I, I had like, a more dedication like you. I like doing the. I like playing fully painted. Yeah. And um, last year, about this time, I joined the Brush Wielders Union. Yes. And that's a big motivator to, to do something hobby related. I mean, painting, obviously, but, uh, yeah, I'm you know, just 30 too. minutes a day to, to last night I spent, or I got the new privateer releases, mm -hmm. Legion of Lost Souls and a couple of Thamorite Advocates and oh. some of the Is the Terrorizer out now? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, okay. Scythe, I think, okay. is Scythe and Dr. Stygius. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. But uh, I got those, and I, I spent last night assembling them. Nice. And, you know. Yeah, it's kind of good in that morning. habit. Even if you're not in the mood of painting, just, like, assembling models, you know. Yeah. 
It's, that that's... way you're doing something. It's good to build that habit. I'm in the Brush Builders Union too. It's great. There's a lot of like-minded people that are very encouraging, and you you know you're encouraged to keep track of everything that you and you finish in a in a book, which is kind of nice because then you can look back and you see and, it. Uh, I do that. Yeah. I was doing that normally, but it's nice to kind of formalize it a bit. Yeah. Um, it kind of helps you look at your improvement over time mm. and give you some targets. Like, what do I want to get done? You know, what do I want to get done in a month? What do I get done in a week? And um, I always see people, <laughs> I think units are the hardest thing for people to paint. People tend to, I even think a colossal or gargantuan is easier than units because it's just one hmm. thing with a lot of surface area and you can sometimes, you know, kind of quickly do it up. And I, and I see a lot of people will get solos, war casters done and big, you know, war jacks or war beasts. And then it's like, you gotta, the units though are kind of like the meat in your, in your army and you gotta get them done. So it's nice to kind of track and say, how many units did I get done? Or can I, you know, maybe work on three or four guys out of the unit and then, you know, get that done in two or three weeks and then, and then finish the rest, like do it piecemeal. Mm -hmm. So it's not so overwhelming. Yeah. I think most units in the war machine are like, 10 models yeah like I mean, six to 10 models yeah it depends but you know and then you throw in the officer and then the any weapon attachments you have and you can have a, a 15 model unit yeah and that's kind of yeah, intimidating big, when you're yeah. you know when you're staring down the barrel it's like oh i've got all this to do i could just paint a warjack <laughs> yeah <that's totally laughs> so, what it is. <laughs> so i've got i had an idea and i don't think it's an original idea but i don't know where i got the idea from so let me throw this at you and and See what you guys think. Considering um, units, uh, usually in a 10-man unit, you have uh, three different poses with three models each of those poses. Yeah. And then you have the 10th guy who has the unique pose who's the, the leader of the unit. Right. And so outside of, outside of the pose, there's really no other way to tell that he's the leader. And so what I was thinking about the next unit that I paint... I was thinking of painting them all pretty, very simple and not very remarkable, but then doing a little extra work on the leader. Yeah. Is that a, is that a good thing to no, do? No, it's good. No, I think units, people get way too into the, sometimes into the details, which I think is better <laughs> on a solo. You know what I'm talking about? It's like oh, yeah. you got, yeah. Yeah. if you got, and you want to run two full units, that's like maybe 24 people. Yeah. It's like, you know, back to that tight color palette pick five, yeah. five to eight colors six to eight colors yeah keep it kind of simple it'll look great you know you don't need to go into every little thing and do five <laughs> glazed layers on chain mail or whatever so because uh, they'll never get that. i get the feeling that maybe you've done that before like you might be speaking from younger, experience <laughs> and i've had a lot of people ask me about it they're you know it's like intimidating they're like i don't want to i want to run this list but i don't want to paint 24 people yeah it's like well you got to change your painting standard to what you want to get knocked out. Yeah. If you're spending five to eight hours on a high quality solo, a lot of people don't realize that in their head, that's like where they're at. And then they do the math and they look at 24 models and they're like, there's no way that's getting done. Mm. It's like, you, you can't apply that same algorithm, yeah. right? You got to yeah. like 200 hours to knock out a unit yeah, an hour crazy. a night. It's going to take you a you long gotta, time. You got to yeah. shortcut it. You got to have, a simpler scheme you got to do assembly lines so you mentioned like they're you know they're in people are in similar poses so when i paint i i have uh figure holders 
I'll, I'll do, you know, the, there's three people in three mm -hmm. poses that are the same. I'll line them all up and I'll paint, you know, leg, 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 everybody at once. Hmm. It's crazy fast. And before you know it, you got them all base coated and it feels good. And you're like, yeah. okay, 10 people yeah. base coated. And then next night you do your wash and, and then you highlight and you just kind of work through, but you, you know, you do it differently. So building, building up that skill to do units, yeah. I think is and important. The, that rule of three is, is, or not rule, but the suggestion of three yeah. is really good for those similar poses. Cause you could sit there and paint all three of them. Do all your base coats. Oh, all the base coats are done. Okay, I'll do all my washes. I'll do my highlights. Mm -hmm. And then those three are done. You set them aside. The next three. Because usually, invariably, uh, like I'll get to the second model and I'll be painting something. It's like, oh, I missed that on him. Okay, and I'll go back to the first one. And it's like, sure sure enough, missed it. Clean it oh, up, yeah. make it. You know. it instant so feedback. It, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, three at a time, three at a time. And so then... then a lot of the times, though, I'll paint one model to be the test model for the scheme as well. Yeah. So that's like, this is, you know, I'll paint it up, I'll have it all done, and I'll sit it there, and it's like, this is the standard I'm going for on this unit, and then try to match it with the rest of them. So one of the things you mentioned earlier was the, you do you use the model handle holder things? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Way you, less stress on your hand, and you can... Manipulate. You should be holding your paintbrush in one place, and I rotate the model around the paintbrush. Otherwise, oh. otherwise you're doing you're rotating around the model. Yeah, and then you're stressing yourself out, and you're not getting consistent lighting. That's a different orientation. Like that's a different a way of thinking of about it. Don't think about that. Right. And it's wow. like have your hand resting, lightly holding this thing. Yeah, and keep and then you know rotate the rotated around, having consistent lighting, and it's it's faster. Oh, that's incredible. It's way less stressful. Like, it's, a, it's yeah. a mind blown moment for me right now. <laughs> yeah, I never I, even I wa thought I of that. People at the hobby table paint and they're like wrapping themselves Dude, around this model. You've it's seen, like, I'm like a contortionist doing? sometimes trying yeah. to paint some of these models. My elbows are in or my elbows are out and I'm upside down. Right. And I yeah. mean, I could be hanging so, from monkey bars and still be doing like, <laughs> I mean, like, I, but this is like blowing my mind. So it's one of the things, too. one of the things that Dallas said when he was uh, at Lock and Load was, you want to get um, a triangle of support. So if you have, hmm. if your right hand, or if you paint with your right hand, you hold the model in your left hand, and you brace your elbows or brace your forearms against the your work surface. Okay. And or, and then brace your hands against each other. You you've created the support. And then you can, and then with the hobby holders, any of them, the yeah. Citadels or the, um, yeah, the hobby holder. Yeah. There was a Kickstarter a while back. Um, but you can spin the model around and you keep that consistent hmm. form and you keep your elbows in. You don't exhaust yourself trying to contort. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. It, there's some ergonomics in there. I've helped people out. Like if you're painting a huge base model, yeah. Here's my advice: go to go to Frontmeyer <laughs> or Goodwill. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're getting the horns, man. That's such an awesome thing. <laughs> yeah. Go to Frontmeyer or Goodwill and buy a candle holder. It's a little flat plinth thing. Okay. You stick candles on. Yes. They come in five inches. It's the same size as the base. Oh, oh yes, like a pedestal candle holder. Yeah, and you can hold it with your hand, and they're lightweight. Oh, and you like what? Like you get the like heaviest, blue tack or something? Heaviest mounting tape you can slap on there, like the eighty oh. pound stuff. <laughs> and you stick your huge base model on that, and now you've got a holder. And I, I like I turn mine upside down, and I'm like painting underneath. 
That is brilliant. People walk in a runa board and they're like, whoa, how are you painting that, you know, colossal? Right. I'm like, oh, it's stuck to a candle holder. And it's, you can get $3 at Goodwill. And now you have a... I'm in. I'm, I'm going to Fred Meyer later. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> you know, you got a big thing and it's, it's yeah. kind of bulky and you don't want to break off stuff and it's got all these surface areas. And, and you, yeah. and you don't want yeah. to, to handle the model because in, invariably you're... Spinning them all around, and then your yeah. hands covered in paint, and then you've got to go through and, and yeah. fix it. So let's okay. So so you guys put the model on the base before you paint. I stick mine on with with heavy mounting tape. That's I, what I you do. do. Like okay, I like to do custom bases, or I'll buy resin bases. Yeah, and then I don't have to worry about you know paint get on the base or whatever. So I usually take the base that it comes with, and I just I put the mounting tape on there. Okay, and stick the model on, and if you get the heavy stuff. It'll hold anything. It'll okay. it'll even hold like a full metal. I just did an extreme <laughs> juggernaut and it held that. So that's incredible. Yeah, you can okay. get eighty pound mounting tape. It'll, it'll <laughs> hold a miniature. <laughs> so yeah. So I'd on this, like to uh, see the eighty pound miniature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Oh geez. Uh, on the subject of the of those model holders, um, I had ordered. Um, you guys are you guys familiar with Death Ray Designs? I, mean, uh, I know the name. Yeah. I'd probably cruise the website. Yeah, they're just um, they they do um, what what I like them for is they do base inserts uh, that fit PP and weird uh, the, those lip bases that, that yeah. they have, and um, but then they also do bases for you know like 40k and Infinity and all the right. guys. Oh yeah, and they also have um, terrain, incredible amount of terrain, and then mm-hmm. um, and then they're starting to go into like markers and stuff. I've I found I you know stumbled upon them a few years ago and I got this like Flagstaff base insert. Oh yeah. And when they ship it to you, it comes in a DVD case. I I yeah. have gotten this actually. Okay. I got their cobblestones. Yeah. Which exactly. are used on all of my mercenary bases. And okay. They're made from hard card. Yeah. Hardstock. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. I recently picked up some acrylic ones because I wanted to use them for my uh, Abyssinia army, and then um and then and then they gave me a free item. And so the free item I chose was one of their model holders, um, but it comes in like MDF, and so I have to have to assemble it before I can use it. Ah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> more hobby to the hobby. Um, exactly, more <laughs> hobby to the hobby. But but yeah, um, and so I'm interested in trying uh, the whole hobby holder idea now. Yeah, I just I think they're great. I used to have a couple different ones. Uh, I just kind of gave in and started using the um, Citadel ones because they're yeah. They're inexpensive and they they hold pretty well and they're actually really lightweight in your hand. And I just bought five of them, so when I'm doing like a unit, I can just get guys lined up and yeah. pick them up and not have to swap figures in and out. And it, it seems like overkill, but I think it's been worth it. Okay. Um, they sell them at the store and they're not that expensive. No, they're not. They really and aren't. They they're spring loaded and they have a nice tight you know hold on the on the base i've held one i've held one fall off yet yeah i've held one so i know that i like them i have if you would like to borrow one of mine just let me know Uh, happy if you want to try it on and see if it'll change maybe this wednesday basically one of my overarching things is like whatever helps you get into your hobby and paint easier people should explore right so if that means a portable hobby kit or a paint holder or like ways to organize your things because all that other stuff is like a a barrier or obstacle that prevents people from wanting to do it. So like, oh, I don't have a place to paint, or oh, I don't know how to prime, or I don't know how to glue, or I don't know how to mm-hmm. hold this thing while I'm painting it, or I don't know how to mix my paints, right? There's all this like, yeah. I don't knows. Right. And so every little, you know, tip adds up. 
Yeah. And then suddenly it's no longer stressful and it's this easy thing you can kind of roll out and, and, and before you know it, you're like, you've got a great army and then it feels great putting that on yeah. the table. Honestly, it does. I, um, I was having this conversation with, you know, Chad and Dan, you know, a couple weeks ago and, and I took all of my scorn and I sorted it between what is already painted and what is unpainted. And I took all my painted and I kind of put looked at it and I was like, okay, I can make this list. Right. And so so right. I made a list and then discovered that um, with the requisition points the way they are now, um, I have two models that need to be painted, right? Yeah. And so I've already started painting them. That's a good way to set goals. Um, but like, but that means that I have a ninety five percent painted list. And and I got to tell you, my last two scorn games have been the best games I've ever played. I saw you right? playing. It, it just felt so good. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's something to, to be said for for being able to field yeah. a fully painted army. Um, when we talk about the immersion into the game, having a painted army on um, a custom table, like yeah. you get to play on at Ruin, at Ruin and yeah. Board. We're kind of spoiled right now. Yeah. Thanks to Mr. Basor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. but uh, to to be able to throw two fully painted armies on a themed custom table, there's something about that, that just makes it that much more enjoyable. Yeah, that you know, we're playing on the Infernals table because everybody plays on the Infernals table. That is pretty um, popular. It's a, it's a nice <laughs> it's, table. I've played on that table. But you know, it's like you know, then you can create the narrative in your head. Yeah, and. It's a big part of the hobby. It always kind of rankles me a little bit when I hear people say that they don't know the lore, they make fun of the lore, or they call it fluff instead of lore. It's it's like somewhat dismissive, or it seems like a popular thing to do to be like, well, I don't really know the background of that. It's like, man, for me, that's like one of the pillars. Like, I want to know who these steelhead mercenaries are. Yeah, where do they come from? And they're all dirty, and they're out for money, and they're morally ambiguous, and they're going to work for... You know, to me, that's, like, exciting. Like, that's... That goes back to why I got into gaming, is these great stories, and... Right. The Iron Kingdoms has got some awesome narrative stuff in it, and it always just sort of rubs me the wrong way a little bit when people are dismissive about that. I'm like, man, this stuff is really fantastic. You guys are spoiled nowadays. Yeah. The, The fluffer, the lore... Get is what really drew me into the the game initially. I mean, to go back and read Prime, the original Prime now, is a little painful. Um, oh, because they used a lot of accents, so everybody in Signar had a really thick Cockney accent, very thick Russian accent for Kador. You know, I lots will of crush and, you. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. late nineties, so, early two thousands yeah. gamer cringe in there. Yeah, like, they're oh, like yeah, you got huge. a pair kind of. extreme but it was that fluff that got me immersed in the game it's like oh one of the first uh, war catchers i ran was high reclaimer yeah yeah um what what did you like about high reclaimer's story like was there what connection did you make actually the big connection was that he was 52 points which was the cheapest warcaster you could run Ah, in mark ah, one ah. uh but his his whole thing that he could bring models back and he worked off the, mm. off of souls okay so the more souls he got the that turned into focus the you know That's the more cool things mechanic. you could do and it's a really cool mechanic yeah. um yeah i remember the very first war machine model i ever saw was a gun mage okay <laughs> and it blew my mind because i was like okay i've played a lot of D throughout my life what is this this is a guy 
It looks like a revolutionary war. Yeah. Patriot, and he's got yeah. a gun, but he's casting a spell through the gun. Yeah. He's like, I'm on board. What is this? This is yeah. cool. <laughs> How do you then, feel about those gun mages these days? Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> awful. Kill all my Well, you know. Kill all my army. Uh, so I was I was sucked in. I wanted to know what, yeah. you know, and then all of the all of the nations have such interesting, you know, flavor. You, no one's really yeah. good, right? Everyone's either... I mean, except for Trollbloods, apparently. Uh, well, they all have their dark side, right? <laughs> and it, and I think it makes it interesting. Every, yeah. Every, and, they, yeah. and the Warcasters and Warlocks in each of them have... Yeah. There's the, personalities in there that are interesting. The backgrounds are pretty well fleshed out for each of the factions. Yeah. You know, so, so when you're sitting down, like Perry said, with the the uh, seal heads, you know, you're sit, sitting down to play a game and it's like, well, these guys are, you know, being paid a lot of money to go and fight yeah. their opponent, you know. They, they, yeah. You know, next week, the ones that live through this battle might end up working for that opponent. And, I mean, you, you never know, know right? The opposing <laughs> yeah. army, you know. You, that, that's kind of the They paid about, me more. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. like the idea of, uh, like, Alexia raising... <laughs> Someone's dead friend in the middle of the battle next to them, and they're like, Frank, they're staring at each other. Like, yeah, yeah, there's definitely an yeah. amuse, there's some amusing yeah. angles in the yeah. in the lore of the Iron Kingdoms that's uh, what, pretty yeah. compelling to me. When I first got started, I bought two things I bought the Kador Battle Box and I bought the Flashpoint novel. And, and then Excellent. I promptly went on vacation and I read that novel and and completely done while I was on vacation and I came back and I, all I wanted to do was build and play and yeah. play, you know? Yeah. And, you in. Yeah. So I want to read yeah. more. I'd like to read more. Ozzy and I, we spent a lot of time on, um, War Machine University and it's a good site now. It's really well maintained by the yeah. site crew and yeah. I'm certainly appreciative. I'm yeah. all the time reading about yeah. what, what the heck is my opponent fielding <laughs> against me and how does this work? Right. Same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, I feel yeah. like I, I feel like I have a better handle on the game because I, yeah. it's like, you know, people used to say, you know, you know, download the app and just read cards. Well, great. I'd read cards, but then like, there's no context, you know, there's no context. Yeah. It's like, it's like those, you, you know, it's like those like, you know, language learner apps where you learn like vocab, but you don't know how to make a sentence. Well, yeah. That's right. really what, I mean, I can read a card, but what do I do with it? And with, so with the context exactly, the, and yeah. so War Machine University, you know, you scroll down and it starts, you know, fleshing it out. Here are some good ideas for your battle group, and then here's some, you know, and like, and you don't have to follow that advice, but it's there to help you think. Yeah, it's you a know? good thought exercise. Yeah. Of like what you know, what pairs together. Yeah, and really, we you know, we as gamers, we like to consume. If it's not podcasts or online reading or PDFs or whatever, like we want. Yeah, we want content, and like I said earlier, like. You know, when I was a kid, there you you didn't have anything. You got right. you got like Dragon Magazine every other month or something, or or yeah. White Dwarf, and you hoped that there was something in there that was interesting for yourself, right? Yeah. And uh, nowadays, it's like I can pull embarrassment up embarrassment of riches. It is crazy. Like, how do I paint green emerald gems? And then within seconds on YouTube, there's like Eight, 18 million videos. Videos, and, yeah. And they're all like super yeah. high quality, and you're and it's <laughs> it's crazy, right? So yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. Well, why don't we keep like tapping into that real quick? You know, you, you said you you had a few things we wanted to share about about that immersive experience. Yeah. And so why don't you? So we got yeah. the Scott and I got the idea last summer. Um, I I think we're pretty spoiled. Uh, Rune and Board is a great local store. It's big. It has a whole 
uh, one of the sides of the store has a dedicated game and table space. Yeah. And uh, I've always thought that that's kind of rare. When I was younger and I traveled all over the world when I was in the military, I saw a lot of game stores uh, through the ages, and I even worked at one for a couple years. Finding a place where you can go and play that is clean and, and uh, accepting of all, you know, uh, all everyone people. of everyone yeah. that yeah. you could have kids in there you could have whoever want to come in and play and not not feel like they shouldn't be in there and they don't charge for table space Mm-mm. and it's and it's awesome and then um we are you know every wednesday night there's regularly 20 or more people in there and maybe not everyone's playing maybe people are hobbying but yeah oftentimes there's people you know, four four to six seven eight games uh, right. a couple times we ran out of table space <clears throat> So yeah. we, we started talking because normally, you know, we just, we have the mouse pad terrain that you see everywhere. Right. And um, the great debate over whether that's better than <laughs> <laughs> 3D terrain. And, I, and I'm and i like, why does it have to be a debate? Either why or. Can't you yeah. have both? Both and. That's right. And we said, you know, we have all these people that come here. Why don't we, there's no reason why we can't make this the best ever. Yeah. And the thing, the other thing, everyone will always walk in and be like, can someone set up a table for us, right? Yeah. And then you wait what a- 30, 40 minutes because someone has to, and you want someone to set up the table uh-huh. a certain way, and uh-huh. everyone's kind of waiting. So I'm like, what if everyone just kind of came in and everything was set up, and it was amazing, and then people would get in more games, and mm-hmm. maybe if the tables were immersive, people would also want to hobby and paint more, and mm-hmm. it would be good for the store. So Scott and I talked us through... And Muson Minis, the, the Muson store, have officially licensed War Machine Zones yeah. for Steamroller. So our thought was, well, why don't we go through each faction and come up with a thematic table? Like, what would a Signar table look like? Hmm. Like, oh, we'll get a, we'll get a village... <laughs> Scorched Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get a Scorched Earth. Crying policy. babies. Yes, yeah. Oh. Refugees. <laughs> no, but uh, we were like, well, let's do like a town. Let's do a cobblestone town. And let's yeah. let's have terrain specific to what that would look like. And and, and then, we're, you know, we were like, well, what would a troll blood table? Well, it'd be maybe yeah. in the snowy tundra and we'll have huts and we'll get troll blood zones. And then I know a great place to get huts. Yeah, well... So Battlefield we, in the box. <laughs> yes. That's true. So yeah. when we started mapping these out, we made like a list, right? A shopping yeah. list. And uh, we started hitting Etsy. Highly recommend Etsy to any <laughs> hobbyist. Love is, Etsy. It is dangerous. <laughs> that's, that's an expensive hobby it right there. It is an expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> because the, any, just, anyone... Just, just clicking a, on the site is expensive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your checking account has been deducted $100 yeah. for logging in. Yeah. No, but right. there's just there's people all over the world now yeah. with, with really good 3D printers yes. in their garage or whatever, and they're making, they're making terrain. And the stuff you see in there is amazing. So we built shopping lists for all these thematic zones and uh, got them ordered. Wow. And I spent, uh, with uh, Scott's help, uh, two, three months painting terrain. I stopped painting all my mini- all our miniatures and we just painted terrain. You know, we painted, you know, mossy ruins and trees yeah. for the Circle Orboros table, the Infernals table. I got like a sacrificial altar, burned trees and houses. And um, so each of these, you know, we, we had... Uh, we have seven now, and we're gonna seven. do two more. We're I'm gonna do Kador and uh, Convergence table. 
Ooh. So that we can swap. You know I'm getting into convergence now. Oh, I know. I'm going to play on that table all the time. (laughs) We're still kind of debating what we want to do, but we were thinking we put it in a a swamp because one of the stories, there was like a hidden temple in the swamp, and then we'd get some uh, machinery that looks kind of steampunky that would... I dig. I dig. People would be worshiping it. And the the caterer one, uh, I'm going to do a snowy, uh, like abandoned train yard, I think would be pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. so uh, Wednesdays, I, I get off work early and come in at 3, and we just get these set up. Nice. And people roll in, and they're like, wow, these are all ready to go. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they get, I've seen people get two or more games in a night now because everything is ready. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's selfless. It's fine. I love doing it. And it, and it, and now other people are doing it. It's become contagious. So like the yeah. other night, uh, you set up everything. Uh, actually, it was Curtis that started. Curtis, Curtis came out early and set up everything. Yeah. Nice. Um, the feedback Nathan has been and I amazing. Helped, but... Yeah. And it really wasn't that expensive to do all this. You can get a pack of trees on Etsy for... God, it was like 20 bucks 20 or something bucks like that. And just put them on your mouse pad terrain. Everyone... Yeah. No one has yeah. said, I don't like playing with 3D terrain. Everyone loves the 3D terrain. Yeah. Because yeah. you if, you, if you need to, you can just pull them off real quick. And the 2D is underneath it, right? Yep. Yep. And also, you know, I see the debate all the time, like on Facebook and stuff. It's like an obstruction is a major terrain piece in the rules for blocking line of sight. Right. right? And that can just be any object. So why not get something cool like a ruin, a temple ruins or, yeah. or you know, whatever and, and have that be on the table so that it's representing something. It's just, it takes the game to the next level. And, and I lament the passing of the press gang. And Scott can talk to that. He was a press ganger. Yeah. And... I really wish they had a way to bring that back because you had a community leader. So, you know, without a local press gang, people just kind of need to step up. And so for yeah. us, it was like, let's take this store that lets us play here. And they give everyone discounts on Wednesdays that buy us product. That's right. Let's yeah, support let's your some, local stores. Yeah, yeah. Let's support the store. Let's put a kick-ass terrain and tables together. And they're yeah. all stored in these tubs. And yeah. they're easy to put out. And they're thematic. And... Uh, Literally everyone has has enjoyed playing on those yeah. things in our COG community. I love how you guys have sort of taken the lead on that. It really it's it's a good example and model for other communities and game stores around around the world. You know, we have a lot of listeners who, uh, you know, in Europe and in Australia and stuff who listen to this podcast, and you know, and the fact that you know the the you know the players who play at Rune and Board support Rune and Board and then the Rune and Board supports the players playing at Rune and Board like there's just like this it's like it's mutually beneficial for yeah. for everybody yeah it's great and and you know part of it is supporting the store as kind of a tangent but that allows us to have this space to play yeah yeah, yeah. and to make it more when, immersive make it more fun for everybody yeah. you know it, it's it's fine to step up yeah, um, when Oz and, and I started playing at Rune and Board more regularly, um, I stopped buying things online, and just only only go through Rune and Board. So same yeah. here. I pre-order yeah. everything. I yeah. I feel like, you know, you can get it a little bit cheaper online, but you got a you got a place where you're you can play with your friends and build a community, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's an ecosystem, right? <laughs> so yeah. right. That sounds. Yeah. And if you don't do that, you don't have anywhere to go. It's sort of the game, you know, that's not good for the, the overall part of the game. Yeah. So I love going down there. I look Every Wednesday, I look forward to going in there and seeing those tables. And if I'm either playing a league game or I'm hobbying, it's a great time. And yeah. all of those people have become really 
great friends. Honestly, well, and, yeah. yeah. And the bonus with uh, having six tables is that there's in the steamroller packet there's six scenarios, so each One table each. is set up for for nice. you know. And since we've got the Masters League going on, sometimes they have to you know adjustments are made, but right, you know, for a scenario, but people still playing on the yeah on the. Yeah. That's 2. good to know. 5D terrain or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, it looks great though. Yeah. Right? It looks it's fantastic. Yeah, it's like you yeah. don't have any you don't have any rule line of sight issues. Yeah. Because of the templates, but but it makes the table pop, and uh, I think that's all you you know. Yeah. You, that's all you need. It's just. Yeah. So I you know I would challenge any listener you know go go look online and think of ways to get some terrain to put on your table and paint it, and you don't even need to paint it with really expensive paints you can just use cheap craft paints and then seal it with a sealer i did i did that for all the training there yeah it's just painted with but boy it looks so good though so good yeah Yeah, Yeah. i've done all mine in contrast because i wanted to see how the paint worked yeah scott did a fantastic (laughs) group theme table have you seen it it's like the abandoned farmstead yes yeah Yeah. we were looking at last time i was there with little pigsty and haystacks and everything yeah Yeah. it's really fun yeah i gotta get the chicken coop done now I've, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and um, I'm hoping that everyone on the listening end uh, gets encouraged um, and inspired, uh, you know, to do more, to get into the hobby and whatnot. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to add? you want to, uh, any closing thoughts? Um, I'm going to quote you in a second, but do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to add, wrap up? I would just say, you know, everyone can think of a way you can selflessly add something to the community, whether or mm. not that's assembling your models at the store where other people can ask you questions or helping set up or helping put things away. Every little thing kind of helps and then people, you know, it'll grow, it'll grow that social circle and, and people like that. They'll want to play that game. And then so many times in the last two years, people walking into that store and they see us building mm-hmm. painting. And then in the last three months they see these full color tables. Yeah. They get interested and that's how you, keep it alive yeah that's how you get people looking at it and they say wow those people are having a really good time they're all friends they're playing this fantastic looking game and that's that's what you want to project out there right so yeah. just yeah and be a be welcoming to the people yeah um absolutely yeah you know when 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 we're sitting there doing our hobby thing we'll get passers-by that come up and it's like oh that's you know what are you working on or what's yeah what's this what game is this for what's you know and and Ask, answer the questions to the best of your ability. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've been pulled off out from the mm-hmm. table to, to hey, I've got this paint scheme. What paints do I need? Hey, what, that what was colors? me. That was you. But <laughs> you're not the only one. You helped me big time. You're so, not the only one because yeah. it's but it's being willing to. I mean, even for to a complete stranger, it's like, yeah. oh, you're painting this. What colors are you looking at using? Yeah, and then. There's a yeah. little color theory in there, you know, but just, you know, what yeah. glue do you use? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Simple as that because we've got new yeah. people that have tried putting yeah. their stuff together with not the right glue. Yeah, it doesn't work. And it <laughs> yeah. the plastic. Work and, yeah. yeah. I, had a, I had a gentleman come in and he bought a, a starter battle box, War Machine. And nice. Yeah, this is last September. I've seen him a few times since then and. 
he's like, how do I put all this together? And they don't really <laughs> tell you, right? No, you know, they don't. Not, yeah. There's no instructions in there. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, you're going to need to trim off the flash and score it. And, and then he was like, okay, I'll go buy this like tester's glue. And I'm like, no, don't use that. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of that stuff that's just knowledge that's not accessible to new people. So you got to yeah. do what you can to make it accessible. Yeah. Back to yeah. the barriers of, of yeah. entry. Get rid of those barriers. Yeah. That's what you make said. It, make it as simple as possible. So whatever helps you get into the hobby, explore that. That's what you said. Portable hobby. I kit, love that. Community. Yeah. Good tables to play on. All yeah. of that is the stuff that leads up to having a really good time with your friends. That's right. Hey, I want to end on that. That's real positive. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thank you for um, sharing uh, what you guys have, uh, your experience with uh, with our listeners. Uh, I just want to ask you if you're, uh, you know, if you listen to our podcast and you like these kinds of conversations, we'd love for you to give us good feedback. You know, let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can email us at spellstormminiatures at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can join our painting group. You can also even get on board. We have a, a Discord uh, server that's been running for a couple of years now. And uh, we have a lot of different hobby talk going on there, too. Um, but uh, that's about it, I guess. So uh, thanks, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you.